Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. And today I have an incredible uh, lady with me today. She is uh, the motivator of motivators. uh, And she's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Actually, she's in the Book of World Records because she is the first to fly a plane uh, without arms, just using her feet as her hands. Uh, we all know her internationally as Jessica Cox. How are you, my love? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. I just love you to pieces. You're just such a, a trooper to show. Uh, you know, you just take all of my uh, my butts away and all of my excuses away of why I can't do something and shouldn't do something because you are living life uh, so much on purpose. I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you. I just, you know, I live my life, and I've had some wonderful support of people who helped me along the way, and they've helped make it possible for so many things I've been able to do. Uh, where were you born and raised? I'm actually from Sierra Vista, Arizona. Okay. Uh, big family, small family? I have an older brother, Jason, and a younger sister, Jackie. Okay. And my parents, and so we grew up in this small town. Until I was about 14, and then I moved to Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Now, talk to me about childhood uh, growing up. Obviously, you were born without arms, uh, so it's the life you've always known. Um, When did you know uh, that uh, you had a different ability? I think it was early on when I realized how different I was, given my brother and sister and everyone around me had arms. So it was very hard to understand why as a child, and so I was very angry and frustrated at times, mm. and it was, it was it was a difficult child in some ways because I was just upset about the fact that everyone else had something I didn't have, mm-hmm. and I noticed that really early on. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe three or four years old. So. Wow, that is, that is super early. Um, so how did that play out? I mean, because at one point uh, you had uh, prosthetics. Uh, and if I remember the story correctly, one day I think at school you woke up and said, "You know what? I'm not going to wear them. I'm just going to accept myself for what I uh, what I have and who I am, and that's it." How did that all come about? Well, I wore them for 11 years, so I went to school using these prosthetic arms, and I definitely don't want to discredit what they've been doing with prosthetics. It's pretty phenomenal what they've been able to do. Sure, but sure. For me, for me, since day one, this is all all I, I ever knew was using my feet. And I was introduced to prosthetic arms at the age of three, then started to use them every day at school. And by the time I was 14, I I realized that, you know, I'm better off with my feet. I can do things faster, and there's really no point of trying to use these prosthetics. And I walked to the bus stop without them 
feeling better than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And I promised that's myself incredible. I wouldn't wear them again, and I haven't. So. That's incredible. Uh, and so you say you were about 11 years old when that happened, huh? No, actually I was 14. So since I started at 14. the age of three, I was about 14. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Fantastic. So it's amazing. I just love the brain and how we – uh, are able to adapt and evolve as a species. So it's amazing that uh, your feet, basically, you rewired your brain to become your hands. Yes, they have naturally, from day one, just as a baby explores the world by using their hands to feel things and put put objects in their mouth, I use my feet. So, And if you see any toddler, they naturally have the ability to to be they're flexible. They're super flexible. They can use their legs and sure. and you know, and do things that adults can't typically do. So it's something we all had at one point is that extreme flexibility. And for me it just stayed with me from early on because I was constantly every day using my feet, learning how to how to write, learning how to eat on my own and do things that that you go through um the developmental stages as a child. That's absolutely incredible. So, so where you know, okay, you're growing up. Uh, you have obviously uh, been able to adapt to the environment and to your surroundings, uh, and uh, could have uh, lived, uh, 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 you know, a, a great quality life, uh, very quietly <laughs> in Arizona, uh, but. You decided to to kind of branch out a little bit and be a little bit more competitive uh, and kind of show the world, and I think yourself, that there are things that you can do uh, that basically you basically have said to yourself, there's nothing I can't do. Uh, mm-hmm. Where did that come from, and when did that spark uh, of, of um, competition and I can uh, do come come into play? That started very early in childhood. When I was six years old, I remember jumping into the swimming pool, and some kids are afraid of the water, and I just just was always a daredevil from early on. And when people told me that I couldn't do something, it gave me all the more reason to do it. Mm. It actually challenged me in a way. And so since I heard all that my entire childhood, people assuming that because I didn't have arms, I wouldn't be able to do all the normal things. It gave me the more more of a reason to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And because I was a go-getter from the beginning, I got that from my mom, I think. I, it was a part of who I am to do things and constantly be active and, and participate in activities and be a part of opportunities. And that became a part of who I am. And that's when these opportunities of, like, flying an airplane, driving was just part of the process of being a teenager and um, I just never let the fact that I didn't have arms stop me from doing these things. And if anyone ever told me I couldn't do it, it gave me all the more reason to do it. Uh, that I is absolutely uh, amazing and fantastic because obviously you are doing things that even people who do have arms can't do. Uh, so, so that moves me to the point of um, flying an airplane, man, is probably the scariest thing. Uh, anyone could ever do. Sometimes just being on an airplane, as it was in your case, is scary as hell. You decided not only to get on the damn plane, you know what, I'm just going to fly this damn thing. So, <laughs> and get a pilot's license. How incredible is that 
walk walk me through uh, the time uh, lapse uh, on that. That the day you decided, what was it in you that decided, hey, I'm going to go and and take flying lessons and become a pilot. What triggered that? It was my greatest fear to be up in commercial um, on on a commercial plane, and so the thought of being in a small plane was just something I wasn't interested in. But the opportunity came across to go up in a single-engine Cessna uh, through the help of Wright Flight, which is a nonprofit. They offered me up an opportunity to go flying, and I took up the opportunity and, and um, went up on my first flight lesson, had my foot on the yoke, and it's one of these things they, in aviation they call it the, the bug, and I caught the bug. I was hooked on flying and I wanted to become a pilot. So I was driven and that that persistence and determination that I developed as a child came into play with flight lessons. And I was gonna do everything I could to get my pilot certification. Wow. That how long did it take you to do that? It took uh well, we went through at least three different airplanes, three different flight instructors over the course of three years. So it was uh, approximately three years from the day I first sat in a single engine airplane for the first time. Wow. Uh, and you were 25 at the time you broke that uh, Guinness Book of World, or you entered into the Guinness Book of World Records, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Incredible. So so talk to me about uh, what, what is it when you're up there? Uh, how often do you fly now? How often do you fly? Well, I would love to fly more often, but it's, it's a lot. It costs a lot. It, it takes a lot of time. You have to pre-flight an airplane. It takes nearly uh, an entire day to go up flying. So with my busy schedule traveling all over the world, it's impossible to get there as often as I should. So I get to fly, you know, on average, um, it was about once a month. And so mm-hmm. I go out to the airport and I'm able to experience, you know, flying and, and just being behind the controls and know that I'm flying an airplane by myself, there's nothing more empowering than that feeling. And it's just the ultimate sense of independence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, any day that I do go flying, I'm a different person for the rest of the day. I go up in the air, come down, land, and I have this huge smile on my face. And uh, you just, it changes your outlook for sure. Absolutely. Now, you, you didn't stop there. You also uh, decided to get a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh, uh, when did that come about? How old were you when that happened? I was 10 when I first started taking Taekwondo, and I got my first black belt at the age of 14, four years after the time I started. Okay. And then I went back into the American Taekwondo Association in college and earned a second black belt. And now I'm up to a second degree in the American Taekwondo Association. It was, I think that the reason I initially started was because it was one of those things that my mom put my brother, sister, and I into, and, and it wasn't something they enjoyed, but for some reason I enjoyed it, so it seemed <laughs> Yeah. So. They didn't enjoy it. Was it because mom didn't enjoy watching you take those kind of risks and, and, and getting, you know, beat up and all of that, or was it was it another reason? No, I think um, well, it was it was more my brother and sister who didn't like it because it was just they had other interests. Oh, okay. For me, it okay. was it was a really good outlet for me to kick, and and it was just a really good thing for flexibility and exercise, sure. and I loved it. And now it's you know being in taekwondo led me to my husband now, 
and we've been married for about a year. But had we oh, not shared that Congratulations. Back, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. And had we not shared that, we would have just never have been able to met to have met. Wow, that's incredible. That is so awesome. Um, so uh, obviously, I have to ask: uh, Are you planning on having uh, kids at some point? Yes, we hope, hope to, and that's the plan. But not right now, not just yet. It's been pretty this just incredible what we've been able to do, and, and right now, juggling all that with a with a child would be a little difficult. So we're thinking yeah, about that would it. Yeah, that would be a bit much, no question. You know, I saw a video that you had on your uh, website that uh, uh, obviously, if you, if, you, if you have any heart of soul, moved me to tears. And that was I saw you speaking to a group of kids, and there was a little girl in the audience who had, didn't have any arms, and she was uh, applauding you uh, by clapping her feet together. And it was the most magical, beautiful, surreal thing I've ever seen. And uh, so the question that that, that, that sparked was there are uh, many uh, uh, children born, uh, like yourself, without arms. But there's also just as many, perhaps if not more, I don't know the stats, that for whatever reason, coming back from uh, troops, coming back from war, accidents, various different things uh, that happen where people lose their uh, their their limbs uh, after uh, you know being born with them, uh, and you empower both. What advice, uh, other than? you being a living testimony to uh, what you can and cannot do, what advice do you give someone who is struggling with their identity, struggling with um, uh, different, uh, where they have to literally rewire their brain uh, to to function? Because I'm assuming it's not... Yes, I definitely um, have to send out my own admiration for for all those who have lost limbs and later in life as opposed to someone who was born that way, it's a completely different story. And I don't even know how, you know, what it would, what it's like because it's a different thing to be born a certain way and another thing to lose limbs or to lose something you've had your whole life. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things, though, that I think that we can share is that oftentimes what's most difficult is, is coming to terms with our conditions and one of the things that helped me was total acceptance. And self-acceptance is something that's a journey for anyone, whether you're physically different or not. Mm-hmm. And so that that critical aspect of coming to terms and acceptance, full acceptance of seeing ourselves as whole and not and it, see ourselves as whole and complete is something that we all have to achieve. And so that type of advice I think I would give to anyone who's struggling with that is to accept who you are, accept yourself and see yourself in the mirror as a full and a whole and complete person. Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, were you bullied uh, uh, coming up or are you bullied now? Uh, do you Do you face any of that? And if so, uh, what advice would you give uh, uh, children today who are uh, and have different abilities 
that uh, might be suffering from that? What, what, uh, how, how did, if it hap- if it happened to you, how did you handle it? Well, naturally, I was bullied, and I think that's part of everyone's childhood is being bullied for one reason or another. But I remember um, how it made me very upset, and um, of course, I was always told just ignore them, just, just ignore them. But um, one of the things I did develop was a sense of confidence. And I learned that the more confident I was towards someone who reacted to me in a very negative way, the less impact that that person could have on me. And that's one of the things that I like to tell the students, is that if they're confident confident about who they are, hold their head up high, it can be less effective for a bully to do what they want, want to accomplish. And so keeping that sense of confidence, saying, so what, um, and in making sure that you still keep your head up high, that's, that's just the best way to, to react to someone who's picking on you. Love that, love that. Now, where did the motivational speaking come into play? Because, uh, again, you, you've accomplished a lot, but you also decided that you had a message uh, and you had a platform and you want to share that platform and message with the world. Uh, talk to us about that platform and message, and when did it uh, begin to germinate uh, and you decided, hey, this is what I want to do? Well, I started motivational speaking as a sophomore in high school. I was invited to speak to a group of seventh graders, and that was my very first motivational talk. And I heard the feedback from the students. They were really moved and touched to hear my story, and I realized there was something there, and so I went through the rest of high school and college doing a couple speeches here and there, of course, just voluntary. And then after graduating from the University of Arizona with a degree in psychology, I said, well, you know, why not take this to a professional platform? And and I became a motivational speaker and, and have it as my career. And so I started to build up the speaking engagements and the opportunities to get my name out there. And then the flying came along, and that helped get the name out there even more. Mm-hmm. People have invited me from all over the world now to speak and share this motivational message. Fantastic. Now, speaking of motivational message, I can't uh, can't forget this. Uh, well, let's do a couple of things. One, I want people to know how to get in contact with you. What is your web address and your Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that, or Twitter and all of that good stuff? How can people find uh, and, and download and absorb Jessica Cox? My website's rightfooted.com, and I am right-footed, so it's all one word, R-I-G-H-T-F-O-O-T-E-D.com. And you can stay tuned on the website as to what I'm doing next, the next challenge, as well as we're working on a documentary. That's what I want to talk to you about. So that's the next big thing. Now, you are, uh, where are you uh, in this documentary, and what is it for who is it for, and when can we, uh, uh, you know, have an opportunity to uh, see it? The documentary, it included that little clip that you saw of me speaking to a group of students and one of the little girls didn't have arms. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the documentary. And the goal is to inspire people who are not physically challenged to accomplish more and those who are differently able people with disabilities, just to let them know that they can succeed as well and at the same time that they can make it into a positive. 
the documentary is in its post-production stage right now, and so we are working hard to bring the funds together so that we can fund an editor to put this all together. Because we filmed everything over the course of a year and a half. Mm, okay, part wow. Of the, part of it includes my my wedding, so it has some wedding footage in there. Oh, nice, nice. Part of it. And so we're working, and, and if there's anyone out there that would like to help support us financially to help the post-production, we would greatly appreciate that because we are at a point where all the footage is done. We took a trip to Ethiopia and inspired children who are differently abled in Ethiopia, and we're pulling that all together now to make um, an actual documentary with all the footage. Fantastic. And where were the, uh, where are you going to uh, screen the documentary or will it be for sale or how are, how are you going to use the documentary? The goal is to be finished next year and we will be using it. There's, I mean, the best case scenario would for it would be for it to go to a TV, uh, some network so that they can air that out so that we can have the most uh, amount of viewership possible and get the message out there and reach out to so many people that, that the TV, the television would allow for. So that's the that's the best case scenario. That is fantastic. Uh, and we're going to be supporting that uh, in every way we possibly can. Uh, being right-footed, so I assume you have a hell of a, a roundhouse kick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I have a couple other favorites, but, yes, that's one of those kicks you have to do a lot. So <laughs> I, I think you must have some martial arts experience. I do. I have a lot of. I have a. I started out in taekwondo, but I moved into uh, kung fu and and black Wa chung uh, for wow. for a number of years. Uh, so, but uh, uh, it, it, it's nothing like getting hit by a roundhouse. It's just <laughs> devastating. Or I would have probably assumed you would be excellent at a spinning heel kick too, huh? Uh yes, I, that is a good one. That that that, that that's guaranteed to knock the guy down. Uh, so. That uh, all that being said, uh, I also noticed uh, because, and this all only makes sense because you do everything with your feet. How do you use a phone? I mean, uh, you know, I saw you with your iPhone, and uh-huh. just the level of dexterity that you have is unbelievable. And it actually feels because you, I guess, you don't have a point of reference. It actually feels normal. Is that right? It does. I'm I'm talking to you on an iPhone right now, and I I'm using my chin and shoulder to hold it up. That's but if amazing. I were to, when I dialed your number, I actually had it. I put it between my big toe and second toe on my right foot, and I used the toes on both feet to touch the keys. And that's how I text message and dial, and as well as type on a keyboard. Absolutely amazing. Honestly, you get uh, what? Is, I noticed you wear nail colors. What is your favorite, favorite uh, nail color? Oh, the, you said. Oh, well, my color. Fa- my favorite color is blue. I love blue. Look, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All right. So, what's next for you, Jess? Uh, we know about the documentary. Uh, we are. Are there any other? Uh, major announcements coming up, like, you know, flying another plane or something or <laughs> working with Josh Travolta and flying a 727 somewhere. Are we, what, what's next in the in the uh, surprise arsenal of Jessica Cox that you want to achieve? Well, you never know. Just a couple weeks ago on my birthday, um, my husband Patrick and I, we went skydiving for the first time. Oh, wow. That was incredible. So, yeah. Did you get footage of that? 
We do have footage. You can actually check it out on on uh, YouTube. There's a, a video of me skydiving for the first time. Oh, that is totally awesome. That is a rush. That's awesome. That's great. All right, my dear. So once again, uh, give people the uh, web address of how to get in contact with you. www.rightfooted, R-I-G-H-T-F-O-O-T-E-D.com. Fantastic. And can you make me a promise to come back on the show uh, and tell us what you're up to? Yes, would love to. All right, fantastic. We love you, Jessica Cox. Thank you so much, my dear. Give love to Patrick for me, uh, and we'll uh, be talking with you again uh, on the show soon. Thank you. Thanks All right, for having you me take on. care. Okay. Okay, you too. Alrighty. Bye. Bye-bye.